Open up your books, you bad apples. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Bad Apple Book Club. This is Lucas Nord. And this is Cole Lang. And how is it going today, Cole? Super Bowl Sunday. You heard it here, folks. This is a big day in the Bad Apple Book Club. Got two big sports guys. We're actually going to launch our Bad Apple Sports Club uh, next month. So keep a lookout for that. Is the Super Bowl today? Mainly following sports. Uh, yep. Who's playing? It's going to be Tampa Bay and the Chiefs. There you go. Huh. Tampa Bay Buccaneers starring Tom Brady. Really? What do you what do you think? Who who do you think will win? You know, I couldn't even begin to I couldn't even begin to guess considering that I've already forgotten both teams that are playing. <laughs> but anyway, speaking of the Super Bowl Cole, do you want to let everyone know what we'll be discussing today? Yeah, so we'll be discussing our final part on our series on I know why the cage bird sings. So this is it. This is the grand finale. Of course, not of her life. Her life doesn't end with this book. Um, but uh, this stage of her life ends with this part. So be kind of fun. Before we jumped in here, Cole, did you want to maybe give us a bit of a recap on part three of this series? Yep. Yep. So mostly it was describing life in the south and maya she's able to make a friend uh she has a valentine and it doesn't go so well unfortunately and she gets a toothache she experiences uh some pretty blatant racism uh when she tries to get served by a white dentist in town and uh yeah towards the end bailey he saw a very traumatizing event a man that was killed probably by like a white mob and he's being dragged out of this pond and then that's when their uh, grandma said nope you're going to california so they're sent off to california once again the city is a changing because it's world war ii pearl harbor just happened and uh it's a changing city the uh Black population is starting to become more prominent as the Japanese population is getting thrown into internment camps and uh, all that nasty stuff. We talked about it then, but I thought that that was a really nice stretch of chapters there for part three. Just about every one of them there you covered a little bit, and um, I was just brought back. I really liked all those chapters. Yeah, a lot of, a lot of fun stuff going on for sure. But without further ado, shall we? Oh yeah, we shall. Super Bowl Sunday, Super Bowl, part four. Super Bowl Sunday edition. <laughs> yeah. Yep, sports. Um, Super Bowl four. Yep. Basically picking off where we... Picking off where we left off. <laughs> We're just picking off these chapters yep. one yep, by yep, one. Yep, yep, yep. Uh, so... Maya, she's back in California, and she's going to school, and she's pretty surprised to be, like, one of three black students in the school, and the rest are white and, you know, a little pretentious. But she meets a teacher there that, uh, you know, you ever been to a class that 
the teacher just loves the subject so much you don't even open up a textbook or anything like that yeah i guess with like history class and like some parts uh of that where uh yeah just very interesting stuff and i could just close the book and listen to our great history teacher go on tangents about stuff in history I liked history a lot. Yep. And so this teacher, she always treated Maya as if she was like her other students. Like she notes that, you know, most teachers were pretty nice to her, but it seemed like it was, they're really nice to her because she was black. Um, but this one just loved her a lot and treated everyone the same. The same amount of love. And eventually she accepts a, schol a scholarship to a school where she learns to dance and act. So she's getting into the arts. And uh, at first she's a little, she stumbles around, maybe has a few falls, but she really comes to love it because she is, uh, you know, she is taller and like just hasn't, she isn't really that coordinated right now. And she lives in like this multi-story house now in San Francisco and She's living there with their mom's new lover. His his name is Daddy Clydell. In this house, they're also living with like random people, like sailors, prostitutes, just every single kind of person you can think of. Daddy Clydell, he doesn't really have much of an education, but he owns apartments around town and he is like a proud down-to-earth man. And like sometimes Maya will get mistaken as uh, his own daughter. And, you know, for the most part in Maya's life, she, uh, somebody that would have this mistake, they'd be like, oh, that's not my daughter. Are you kidding me? But he takes pride in it because she, he thinks she's really smart, talented, all these things. That's sweet. Yeah, and it just isn't the case with her real dad. You know, she doesn't get this same kind of uh, attention. Right. Uh, Papa Bailey. Yeah, so this guy, he and his group of friends... Well, they make a living uh, based on, like, conning these bigoted white men that are all around the states at the time. So, back in Tulsa, there was this racist white man that conned, like, a lot of black people. So, Daddy Clydell, he eventually, he, he like, slowly talked to this guy, and they, like, set up this piece of land that actually doesn't exist and he's like well i heard this guy's coming down and he's buying it for like 40 grand which is like seven hundred thousand dollars in today's money and basically he convinces the guy to buy the land and they just speed out of town but that was one of the biggest examples of like the i guess like speech level he has like on skyrim you know like he could really swindle people back in the day when contracts didn't exist and literally every business transaction was sealed with nothing but a nice firm handshake yep <laughs> yep uh i'll tell you this much don't do handshake deals uh get get that shit in paper you know it's yeah otherwise it'll get caught <laughs> yep yep don't don't trust when you know at&t comes down and they 
uh, give you an internet price and they they t- you shake on it. No, get that on paper. <laughs> yep, get that get that on paper. All right, <laughs> internet gets delivered by the internet delivery man. Yeah. So this guy's just got some talents, and Maya she really doesn't see them as criminals because of like the long history that black people have been basically robbed of everything whether it be like slavery or dealing with Jim Crow laws robbed of their money and even sometimes their lives so Maya she's invited by her dad to stay with 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 him like during the whole summer and uh, he's got a girlfriend now and her name is Dolores Maya and Dolores they agree to meet each other at a train station and they say they'll each wear a white flower so Maya she gets to the train station and she sees a girl with a flower uh, but she looks like super young, like late teens. And the girl is also like super short. And Maya, she's, I believe, like 5'10. So she is like probably 14 or 15 around this time. And this lady is like expecting someone a lot shorter because Daddy Bailey, he hasn't seen her in a very long time. He doesn't know what she looks like. <laughs> so the girl. She asks, like, Maya if it's her, and she's like, oh, there's no way it can be you. And then Maya, she describes Dolores as, uh, quote, she had all the poses of the black bourgeoisie without the material basis to support the postures. Yeah, she's pretty stuck up. Her and Bailey, they live in a trailer that Dolores, like, keeps perfect. Like, she takes so much pride in taking the care of this, like, dainty little trailer Uh, she has like fake flowers all over it and she just kind of like is always sitting like perfectly and she's either like sitting perfectly in a chair or like cleaning the place it seems kind of creepy yeah that Um, is kind of (laughs) creepy yeah i don't know there's more to life than that there is um but bailey senior papa bailey their dad his her dad is now working as a naval chef and makes a lot of good food, especially Mexican food, um, which he says he gets gets from across the border here. He's, he's always going to Mexico. It's kind of messed up because, like, Maya, she gets to the house. Dolores, uh, she it throws a whole, like, you know, a wrench in the cog machine, whatever. Yeah, it just makes tensions rise. And instead of doing something about it, Papa Bailey, he... Uh, just kind of watches the fire rise into something that's going to, well, erupt. Um, and, like, Maya is always, like, knocking things over, and Dolores is having to, like, clean up after her. And, yeah, so they're not getting along. And to make matters even worse, Bailey Sr. asks Maya, not Dolores, to go to Mexico with him for his uh, grocery trips. Uh, because he's never asked Dolores to go to Mexico with him. We'll soon find out why. But uh, obviously this is a kind of a... Well, it is a slap in the face to Dolores. I'm not a fan of Dolores. We'll see here. Uh, but she's she's feeling pretty left out. And this is her uh, her boyfriend uh, who is like... actually He's like really... He's a lot older then her she's in her 20s bailey's probably in his 40s or maybe 30s or 40s and she's getting jealous of his daughter 
for like the the attention that he gives out pretty weird yep and uh he the dad encourages it and it's just it's i don't, I don't know uh, not 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 too sure how i'm feeling about papa bailey this time around you know at first he had a cool car yeah you know th- that's all it takes for me you know <laughs> if my dad comes around with the cool car he had the cadillac uh i thought he was the coolest guy ever and you know <laughs> ever since he's been the best guy hell yeah uh, but uh this time around, uh, Daddy Bailey, uh, he's, he's not that great. <laughs> Agreed. Uh, so, at the border, uh, Papa Bailey, he jokes with the border guard as they uh, go into the, like, patrol station and, like, they share this bottle of liquor. Like, he's always going there, so he probably knows this guy. And Papa Bailey, he speaks Spanish, so he's, uh, you know, just... Shoot, shooting the crap shooting the crap with this guy over some tequila and she can hear him asking the guard if he's interested in his daughter and Maya she's just chilling in the car or whatever and then this guard like starts to touch Maya kind of sees his daughter like almost as like an object it seems yeah very strange interaction there pretty much just offering well yeah pretty much just offering her to the dude right then and there so they continue their trek down to mexico and eventually uh they reach a small town where bailey stops at uh and there's a cantina there and he's like warmly welcomed by all these people at at this cantina because bailey he's a very uh personable person uh everyone loves him uh he just doesn't really treat his family right um and like once he gets there like maya can tell he's just able to relax and like escape reality escape dolores (laughs) (laughs) uh, i think that's the biggest reason (laughs) um and she can just kind of tell this is a guy that would have you know he was not meant to stay in stamps like small town stamps he needed the big city and adventure the people are dancing they're having a good time and even Maya, she she joins in on the fun. But after a while, after a few hours, her father just disappears. Maya, she becomes scared and rushes out to the car where she just waits nervously. She has no idea what happened. Like, she fears that he abandoned her. Yeah, she just doesn't know what to do. So she's like, I'm going to spend the night in the car. Eventually, Bailey, he is being escorted and, like, being propped up by, like, this... Uh, woman that he's been with all night because he's super drunk and she's carrying him to the car uh they've been dancing and they've probably done a little more than that if you know what i mean (laughs) for my listeners out there (laughs) (laughs) well maya she she's like never drove before and they're just kind of like throwing him into the car expecting maya to drive him back to the states and uh so she has to like start communicating to this mexican guy that's there and uh she knows a little bit of spanish uh and how to communicate but it takes about 30 minutes for her to say like hey can you start this car and like get it onto the highway for me so i can drive my dad home and eventually the guy uh Uh, picks up what she's saying so she starts driving the manual car back to america 
with a few hiccups. But once she gets to the border, she says, quote, as I twisted the steering wheel and forced the accelerator to the floor, I was controlling my might, aloneness, inexperienced youth, death, insecurity, and even gravity. No matter what happened after that, I had won. Yeah, this was honestly probably one of my favorite parts of the story because I know how much of a struggle it is to drive a manual car and the fact that she pretty much taught herself and drove it to the border is uh, very impressive. Yeah, that's pretty cool. Yeah, I started learning manual in high school. My dad tried teaching me. I didn't do too so too hot and just started yelling at me a lot. Uh, but a few years later, I wanted a Geo Metro convertible and uh, didn't know how to drive it, but I wanted to learn. And my friends, uh, they helped me out. So that was very nice. The trick is you just, you got to make sure the RPMs uh, stay around about 1500. You know, you just got to play with the clutch and the accelerator and make it stay in that range. So there you go. If you guys are trying to learn manual, that's uh, how I learned. What helped me a lot. So she, she after like uh, getting to the border, she's like stopped by the guard, you know, show, she shows their ideas and the, the guard waves her through. And uh, this has happened to me multiple times uh, when I first started driving. But like if you let go of the clutch too fast, it will just kind of leap forward and kill the car. Uh, and this is what happens. And she rams into a car that's like going into mexico uh Uh-oh. so this this yeah yeah so uh everyone in this car gets out and they're like yelling at her but she's like way taller than everyone and she's just kind of like she says she like feels like a statue like maybe a christopher columbus statue on uh uh columbus day like she just felt like this big figure and like everyone's just pointing fingers at her um and uh yeah she isn't quite sure what to do but eventually bailey senior wakes up and he just acts like nothing happened he's like oh man the uber already got me to the border huh and uh (laughs) he's like well i guess it's time to uh settle this and he he's not like really that bad with maya he just tells her like grab grab the insurance papers and uh, I'll, I'll settle this with, with the boys, my Border Patrol boys. Um, and he grabs the tequila from the glove box and escorts the angry mob into the border station. And, you know, he starts pouring out the drinks and everyone feels better. He's almost like a Jack Sparrow guy, you know. He can solve almost any situation with talking and just being a little bit of goofball. Pouring up some tequila. But yeah, so Bailey, Papa Bailey, he gets back into the driver's seat as if like nothing happened. And he's he's just got like his eyes set on the road. He's like, uh, all right, let's go home. And he doesn't even like compliment Maya or thank her uh, for driving his drunk ass. And uh, this offends her. And they just uh, they just drive home in silence for the rest of the time. So. Yep, that was the little Mexico vacation. But yeah, so once they get home, like Dolores, uh, she's sitting there. And Maya, she basically says, like, I bet she was sitting there, you know, hands in her lap the whole time, sitting up straight like a fine lady. 
uh like a robot yeah yeah very much so uh she she's just uh i don't know it's gonna get bad here so dolores she gets pretty upset and says that maya is getting in between them and so bailey he leaves the house and he leaves maya and dolores alone in the house uh which is probably not the best thing yeah uh so um you know so maya she doesn't really like dolores and but she does feel sorry for her because bailey he's been fanning the flames papa bailey has been uh he's responsible for this he could have stopped it sat him down and said like get along you know you guys need to get along but he didn't he just encouraged it uh so maya she gets up and she uh she says like i'm sorry i didn't mean to get in between you guys's relationship and dolores responds quote no one was speaking to you why don't you go back to your mother if you've got one um and maya she responds i've got one and she's world better world's better than you prettier and more intelligent and then Dolores says, and she's a whore. So Maya, she's not taking this any, she's not taking anything anymore, right? Yeah. She's a changed person. Uh, she's growing up. She's being confrontational. And she says, she goes up to her and says, I'm going to slap you for that, you silly old bitch. And she slaps her. She like launches out of the chair and Dolores, she just starts screaming. And she's like, ah! And charge she basically, like, tries to tackle Maya and fails. Uh, and she just, like, hugs her. And Maya just kind of, like, pushes her off, like, as if she was a... She says she, she was like an octopus, like, just with her grip. And uh, she, she exits the house. She's just like, God, Dolores is so crazy. <laughs> a little crazy. Yeah, she is kind of crazy. Um, yeah. Uh, and then, uh, so Maya, she notices, uh, hmm, I got something running down my body. And liquid of some sort. And she's like, oh, that's blood. That's not good. And once she notices this, Dolores, she is screaming and opens up the door. And she's chasing after Maya now. Uh, so... Maya, she gets into the car to protect herself, and Bailey's like, hey, 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 what's going on here? And uh, he sends Dolora and Dolores in the house, and uh, Maya, she's just kind of bleeding out, and she's, uh, she's thinking, like, you know what? Today was a great day. If I die today, that's fine. Today was a freaking awesome day. I drove a manual car, and I got to slap Dolores, so it was very fun. Yeah, that's... Uh pretty eventful even if she did get stabbed in the ribs or the side or whatever that wouldn't be fun nope i wouldn't recommend not that i know what it feels like but i feel like that would hurt yeah i could see something like that yeah and instead of driving her to the hospital he drives her to a friend's house that takes care of her wounds um, and she says about this quote, could you imagine the scandal if people found out that Bailey Johnson's daughter had been cut by his lady friend? 
you know, he was the great Billy Bailey Johnson, the the glue of the community, the loved man who works at the naval station, who has a great career. This could never happen to his daughter. You know, it, it he took her to his friend's house because it's a self-esteem thing for him. Um, and he basically tells like the people like, you know, don't don't talk about this. Like it was just a little scuffle. It was nothing. And uh, once she gets all patched up, he drives her to another pow- or another house um, and so she can stay the night there. So she's, like, just bouncing between, like, two different houses, and Bailey just... Ba- Papa Bailey just leaves her. So, yeah, it's definitely not the response you'd want from your dad once you're kind of, like, bleeding out. Yeah, he's a pretty strange guy. Yeah, very much so. Very uh, self-centered. Yeah. Yeah. And so the next morning, he gives her some money and tells her, you know, I'll be back in the evening. But Maya, she's had enough. Uh, And she's like, you know what? Being homeless sounds pretty good right now. Because if I go back to my mom, she's going to see the wound. And uh, she's probably going to send some people to beat up, well, my dad. Um, remembering what happened to Mr. Freeman. So she fears that her mother, Vivian, will maybe kill Papa Bailey over this uh, little scuffle that uh, her and Dolores had. So, yeah, she's like, I'm going to be homeless. It's a better option. So, yeah, that's just crazy. No one needs to think that way. You know, at, at that age, she's 15 or 16 right now. Yeah, there's a there's a lot of points like that through the whole book where you'd hope that, you know, no one would think that way in general, but she's also just kind of got an interesting way of justifying a lot of these feelings uh, while also being so young, too. Like, yeah, anything is better than living with him or her, so I guess I'll just be homeless from now on. Yeah, it's, uh, she's lived a crazy life. Absolutely. Like, reading through this book, that's what I'm thinking. I'm like, this is just... Uh, I can't even imagine half this. And, you know, as we'll see, the book only ends, you know, when she's 16 or something like that. And she has a bunch of memoirs or whatever, right? You know, autobiography or whatever. There's six or seven, I believe. Crazy. Kind of documenting different parts of her life, different aspects. Yeah. So... Yeah, she hits the streets, she makes herself like some sandwiches, and uh, she finds a junkyard. There she finds like the nicest car she can find and sleeps in it, and that car's name was Christine, so... Uh, (laughs) Yeah, it was a, whatever, 58 Plymouth Fury. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, so, but uh, this was actually after the the events of the Stephen King book so yeah she actually kills uh Christine and that, that's the wild sequel, so yeah yeah my Angelou uh, just complete badass yep. uh, what can we say but so yeah she spends the night in this car uh she's surrounded by a bunch of homeless kids just laughing at her and like pointing at her uh, but then she kind of explains her situation and they welcome her into this group, this kind of like commune. The, they got their own set of rules, like you can't have sex with each other. 
you don't steal because that attracts the cops. And they just do odd jobs around the community. And they all share the money. So it's... Uh, and it, it's like a mixed group. Like they, they have Mexicans there. They have black people, white kids. Uh, it's just a interesting group. Yeah, right. You know, like especially for the times. Uh, a lot of these people have probably come from segregated pasts, uh, but then now they're all working together to just survive. So it's pretty interesting. Um. And so the group, they go to, like, this dance contest on Saturday nights. And one time, Maya, she's dancing with, like, this uh, shorter Mexican guy. And uh, they win second place because they just, uh, they interest everyone there. And they just think that uh, they're a cute, cute couple. Um, and, and But unfortunately, this is her last week with the gang. And once she leaves, she re- realizes, like, how much she's changed. She, uh, she's, like, very independent uh, at this point. And, you know, she can actually be confrontational. She's kind of reminding herself of, like, her mother uh, in some ways, who's very strong. And, uh, you know, a- after collecting, like, glass bottles of people from all these different backgrounds she learns to tolerate and like not judge people based on her on their race because she came from the segregated south where you know in the beginning of this book she was saying they were there's white folk land and it's almost like it was hobbit town where uh they were just like this completely mythical race pretty much but now she's uh she's realizing that uh you know, not not all those white folks are too bad, you know? So, which is good. Yeah. Yep. Th- th- there's some good ones out there, uh, you know? Um, uh, and so her mother pays for uh, her plane ticket back to San Francisco, and uh, the group wishes her well. So she's on the way back home to... Uh, Mother Vivian and Maya, she returns home and uh, the family dynamics are pretty different because Maya, she's grown up. Bailey, he's also grown up a lot. Uh, He's hanging with this local street gang and instead of using like his really proper Shakespearean English, uh, he's starting to use like uh, slang terms that he's learning from this group of kids and he doesn't really pay that much attention to Maya. He's just kind of like too cool for her. Damn. Um, yeah, so different, uh, de- definitely changing a lot. And, and they're, they're both good dancers and they just become like this hit sensation at the local auditorium. That's about the only thing they got left in common is that they're both pretty good dancers at this point. Bailey, he starts changing his attire to like what men around his mother wear. Uh, which is like nice tweed coats, a diamond around his little finger, and he starts seeing this white prostitute that lives in his building. Um, and it's a little bit of a Oedipus complex. Uh, Maya, she like states that that she he he has this very confusing relationship with his mother, where he loves her so much, and he's kind of jealous of. Uh, 
all these guys and he starts acting like them and, oh. which is you know like gangsters and con men right uh but i don't think it's like the literal translation of a oedipus complex where you want to love your mom it's just he really cares for his mom it's just oedipus oedipus yeah. oh it's not o oedipus nope it's just oedipus well, there we there we go. At least we corrected it on the spot. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to let the first one slide. Yeah, well, thank you. Thank you very much. Sig- Sigmund Freud, uh, that's that guy. Yeah, but honestly, that is uh, that is an interesting part of the book because even from the beginning chapters when we were first hearing about their mother, Bailey has always had a very intense love for her. And, you know, that's not abnormal between you know, children and their parents, but uh, he may be just taking it a, a teensy bit far here, even if, you know, he's doing it subconsciously or whatever. Yeah, yeah, she mentions that. She, uh, he doesn't really even realize why he's doing this, uh, but it's definitely to uh, maybe get attention from his mom again right, or something. Yeah. Uh, but... Yeah, so but once he starts seeing this white prostitute, prostitute, uh, this angers uh, their mother a lot. You know, she's one of those people, you know, you can't swear around me, but I can swear, you know, no abortions uh, and definitely no white prostitutes. Um, and, and they're just like constantly fighting while Maya, she, she's kind of feeling like uh, she says, quote, Switzerland and World War Two little neutral oh sure so yeah because switzerland uh neutral country don't get involved in wars uh they just benefit off uh both sides and they make lots of money so yep i want to say like in world war ii they actually got really rich from playing both sides and just kind of being like a financial center for both the nazis and uh the rest of Europe, so yeah, pretty crazy. Inter- interest, interesting country, a beautiful country though. I love Very it. Very nice. But eventually, Bailey he decides he's had enough. He's sixteen. He's his own man. He's an adult. And uh, Maya, she just starts to cry. She says, "Quote: My tears were not for Bailey or mother or even myself, but for the helplessness." of mortals who live on the sufferance of life so yep i reread that today i was like oh my god yeah very gloomy uh, yeah i was like oh man that is good and that was very hard to read out loud (laughs) (laughs) a lot of big words so bailey he moves in with his white prostitute girlfriend and yeah, I think like a day later, he makes up with his mother. Uh, they're on good terms again. And uh, his mother gets Bailey a job for one of the local railroad companies. And, uh, you know, he's basically like, you know what? At 16, I'm ready to kickstart my life. <laughs> I should so. have a 401k <laughs> by now, a couple of kids. <laughs> yep. Now... Now, uh, Maya, should I start a traditional or, or Roth IRA? <laughs> um, tell me. <laughs> and if you're listening right now, start that retirement account. <laughs> uh, compound interest is your friend. <laughs> yeah. 
Uh, that's just my hot take. You heard it here first. Yep. <laughs> yep. Uh, big. Uh, I'm a big Roth IRA guy. I like my Roth IRAs. So, yeah. Um, but uh, so Maya, she starts hunting for a job, and she decides she wants to be a streetcar operator in San Francisco. Uh, you ever see those pictures of, you know, the streetcars going up the hills? Yeah, I can, I can just, you know, picture it for some reason. Maybe I saw it in a movie one time or something like that. But yeah, I can kind of picture it as one of the cultural icons of that city. Oh, yeah. Well, the, this is getting a little deep in history, but almost every big uh, city in the U.S. had like some kind of tram like that. But... Big motor companies like General Motors said, no, 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 you're going to drive cars everywhere you go. And that's why there's like zero public transportation in Los Angeles and all these big cities because, uh, yeah, General Motors said, no, you're going to drive this car and you're going to buy our products. Perfect. You're not going to take the public transportation that just takes 15 minutes. You're going to have a two-hour commute. Yes. Yeah, and you're going to like it. Oh, so. yeah. <laughs> yep, I love it. Um, that That is the very interesting thing about uh, here in Europe. It's uh, lots of public transportation options, lots of trains. Great. And I like it. It's it's nice. It does sound nice. So, uh, But there's just one problem with uh, trying to be a colored streetcar operator in San Francisco. It hasn't happened yet. There has been zero colored people I've worked the job yet. But Maya, she has a thirst to be like, you know, breaking boundaries now. Yes. And she, yeah, you you do it, girl. Um, and, and she uh, visits the office. She's like, I saw your ad in the newspaper. What's up? You know, I want this job. And the lady just gives her, you know, the runaround. Like, come back tomorrow. Our manager will be here, and Miles like, "Oh, who's your man? Who's your manager?" And then she's like, "Oh, it's it's uh, Bobby Newport, but uh, he uh, he's not going to be in tomorrow. Sorry, so it's not a good time." Uh, but really, they just don't want to hire Maya because she's black. right, and. So Maya, she treats it like a, you know, like this mental battle, like a sword fight in Hamlet, she says. And uh, she just keeps on persisting. And one day they give her the job application and she has like three of them she has to go through. She has to fill out like three copies. Um, And I think she said like they have to be identical or or otherwise she couldn't get the job or something. Then they'd be like, you're lying. Um and she says quote i was given blood tests aptitude tests physical coronation tests and rorschachs then on a blissful day i was hired as the first negro on the san francisco street cars oh yeah she got the job that's wicked yeah yeah it's um you know this is it's kind of showing a transition from like um how racism can kind of you know evolve into denying black people jobs and stuff like this you know can still happen you know i love that with this specific part she pretty much only 
I mean, she just likes the idea of being the streetcar operator in the first place or whatever. But when she's told that she can't do it, then she really, like, doubles down on it. She really wants yeah. to do it. Yeah. She, yeah, she yep. specifically <laughs> said that she didn't even think she had a particular reason other than that she was told no. And, uh, yeah, yeah, that's pretty wicked. It's awesome. I think that'd be kind of a fun job, just, like, riding up and down on those streetcars. Ring the day. bells ring the bells get to get your change handed out yeah you know? she talks about the little change clicker she's got too yeah yeah she loves that thing it's like a batman utility yeah. belt she loves yeah, it yeah those they're pretty neat so eventually like she's back in school and she's working and she starts to grow from her classmates she says quote few if any survive their teens most surrender to the vague but murderous pressure of adult conformity so, like, her classmates uh, haven't gone through what she's gone through. And, it, you know, they want to go to the football games and, like, kiss under the bleachers. And she's just kind of like, I'm ready to grow up. You know, it's, uh, I've been through it all. Um, but, yeah, and, like, all, all these kids are uh, just kind of, you know, she says, like, 90% of teens fall into the trap of like growing up and you know it's and it, it, it's really hard uh like as we said with um catcher in the rye it's a hard process oh yeah so and uh she says it's even worse for black women and she says quote the black female is assaulted in her tender years by all those common forces of nature and at the same time uh she is caught in the tripartite crossfire of masculine prejudice white illogical hate and black lack of power most of it's like toxic masculinity and you know just blatant racism and the fact that black people don't have that much say in society um so yeah she's uh i thought that quote was pretty interesting yeah and so maya she's uh she's growing up and that means her body's changing a bit and she's just kind of like why is my body so much different like i'm tall i'm kind of lanky i don't feel that feminine my hands are big my feet are big and my voice is kind of low so she reads this lesbian fiction book and she's like oh man i think i'm turning into a lesbian and she gets really scared um but really she's scared of like turning into a hermaphrodite like you know a goldfish that they're hermaphrodites they change genders um like but she get, she gets the terms mixed up obviously she thinks she's turning into a lesbian but she doesn't really know what it means she's just like my body is changing but i don't think it's right um and she gets pretty self-conscious and she asks her mom about changes to her pocketbook, which just means that that was like what her grandmother called her private parts. And uh, there's changes going on and her mom's like, that is completely normal. Like, go look the this definition up in a dictionary. Like, this is what's happening. She to says, go grab a dictionary and a beer. And uh, yeah, yeah the, the, uh, the terror that Maya feels is immediately alleviated because, uh, you know, 
she asks for a beer. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Nothing, you know, when I get stressed out, we'll come back to it again every every time. Bud Light. Right. It uh it'll it'll t- solve all your every problems. Every time. Yeah. Including puberty. Yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. So, um, but yeah, her, she's totally relieved. Uh, a pretty cool of her mom to be like, oh, this is normal and not make fun of her for it. You know, just kind of let's have a beer and chat about what is happening um, because you're growing up. And she decides to prove that she isn't a lesbian by getting a boyfriend. <laughs> it's just like, who are you proving this to? But because uh, it's all in her head, right? Um, so, so she's like, well, if I get a boyfriend, there's no way I have uh, that I'm a lesbian. So, uh, so she thinks about like, oh, I could go up to like some of my guy friends, but they're all chasing girls that have uh, you know light skin, straight hair, and that's just not what I look like. And so she goes up to her handsome neighbor that, that's about the same age. And he, she just says, hey, would you like to have sexual intercourse with me? Um, which is pretty blatant, not going to lie. Yeah, pretty forward. Uh, <laughs> yep. Wouldn't know how to react to that. And so this guy, he agrees and they find a room and they have like pretty silent, awkward sex. And after the... Uh, exchange maya she doesn't really feel that much better about like her abnormalities and three weeks later she finds out she's pregnant Uh oh well you know could be a blessing oh yeah of course (laughs) yeah but you know it is big news so (laughs) um and you know at first she's not really feeling it and she says quote the world has ended and i was the only person who knew it uh, so the world is just kind of like falling ar- apart around her because she she keeps it a secret from like everybody but Bailey, and she can't tell anyone. She just finishes school, and uh, Bailey's like, "Listen, you gotta have the baby because mom she's not gonna allow an abortion, and uh, you need to finish school because if you don't, mom's gonna be pretty mad too," and. Maya, she applies herself to school, and she graduates, and after she graduates, she's about eight, I think she's six to eight months pregnant, I think, um, and she confess, confesses to her parents that she is pregnant, and her mom, she takes it pretty well, actually, and she just is like, who's the boy, Like, uh, and do you think he's going to help, and she's like, no, I'll take care of it, and Daddy Clydell, he's like, you know, he's just like the real father figure that she needed this whole book. And he does a good job. And he says, you know, there's nothing to worry about. Quote, women been getting pregnant ever since Eve ate that apple. He's right, though. No, that's where life started. As far as I know. Yep. You know, it's we all came from Papa Adam and Mama Eve. Oh, yeah. So, yep, yep, Lucas, you are my 100th cousin, probably. Yeah, something like that. Yep, so how about next Christmas? You get me a Christmas present? <laughs> Perfect. Uh, Consider it uh, done. Thank you. 
Yeah, that goes to everyone on this podcast or giant family. Every hundredth so, cousin. Yep. Uh, yep, we're all the human race. Yep. And so she has a baby boy, and she's really proud of herself because for most of the pregnancy, she handles it independently. Like, she doesn't ask for help. She's feeling nauseous going up and down those uh, streetcars, and, uh, you know, she handles it by herself. And once they're out of the hospital, Mother Vivian, she's like, Maya, you got to sleep with your baby. Like, you just got to do it. And Maya's like, are you kidding me? I'm the clumsiest person ever. I'm going to, you know, hurt my baby somehow. Uh, but she does it. And eventually, she is awakened out of her sleep by her mother. And she points out that the baby is just fine. And she says, quote, See, you don't have to think about doing the right thing. If you're, doing, if, if you're for the right thing then you do it without thinking. So, and that's where the book ends. Powerful. Yep. I just thought it was very nice. Yeah. That that last quote by uh, Mother Vivian there. So any particular thoughts now that we've uh, wrapped a bow up on this entire series with the shortest runtime of one of these episodes so far, I think. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's all right. Oh, yeah. Um... Yeah, uh, it's just what a journey. Like, uh, just it, it's been a long journey, you know, doing this series. Just going back to the beginning where she is just not confident about herself. To her, like being a, you know, a mother and like just going through all these challenges and becoming the first street tram operator in San Francisco that's colored. It's just. It's a crazy journey, and, uh, you know, it's just a really beautiful book, I think. I, I um, agree with lots that. Lots of beautiful things. So Thrown into the world on the, on the train to stamps right in the beginning with nothing but a freaking tag in a suitcase or whatever. Yep, nothing but uh, their tags on them being sent like luggage to stamps. They overcome all the acts of racism. And, uh, yeah. I, I mean, imagine how bad those people in stamps would be. Those what poor white folk who, uh, who might have known Maya. Now they see that she's a streetcar operator and an independent mother. Like, she's just, uh, she's knocking it out of the park. Uh, and they hate, you hate to see it. Those white folks hate to see <laughs> it back in uh, racist stance. Yep. So, <laughs> yeah. Um, no, it's been a, it's been a great journey. Uh, so, what do you think? I, I think you encapsulated it all pretty well. We started off with her when she was three or four or whatever in the beginning of the book. And like we said, just randomly thrown into the deep end of life and you know since it's uh taking place during an actual lifetime instead of just being some fictional story we get a lot of like abrupt uh, um scenery changes between you know san francisco and stamps and all that different stuff but um overall it is a very enlightening read i would say i enjoyed it yeah 
Yeah. Yeah, it was good. Uh, unlike, I haven't really, really read too many uh, books that, like, cover subjects of racism. Like, everyone's read, like, To Kill a Mockingbird. Um, well, almost. I feel like that's uh, an essential one. And, uh, yeah, this one was... This one was up there as well. So, but uh, we'll be back next week with our review uh, discussion, and uh, we'll just be taking it easy. But uh, would you want to announce our next book? Would I ever? Ooh. The next book we'll be covering, for one, we'll be continuing our uh, sojourn into female authors with. The 1818 horror classic, The Modern Prometheus, also known as Frankenstein by Mary Shelley. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Get your pitchforks and uh, see the birth of sci-fi unravel before your eyes. I am about 50 or 60 pages into it at this point, and I'm having a good time with it so far. Good. Yeah. Yeah, I read it in high school, but my mind uh, was not that developed in high school, so I don't really remember too much. Um, but yeah, we'll be back with that series in uh, in a very short amount of time. But yeah, that's, that's all I got for you guys. I hope you guys enjoyed uh, our coverage of this. Um, it was hard. It was... It was hard to do. Some parts of the story are very explicit, like we've said. And, well, you probably know if you've listened to the whole series so far. But, uh, yeah, we got lots of good feedback on this one. And, uh, yeah, it was a fun book to cover. Uh, and one might say enlightening, too. I would say. It's, uh, learned a lot. Learned a yeah. lot. So. Um, go ahead and... Look at the Instagram page. I think that's really all there is to say. Alrighty, guys. I'm going to watch the Super Bowl here soon. <laughs> Maybe there will be some, be some uh, funny commercials. Hey. Probably not. They're not good anymore. <laughs> They're all Matthew McConaughey saying how good a Lincoln Perfect. is. Uh, and I can't afford a Lincoln, so I wish that they'd stop doing <laughs> it. Uh, but uh, that's all right. It'll be fine. So... Thanks for listening, and uh, goodbye. Bye-bye. <laughs>
I can always do nothing with it. <laughs>